Jobs, the founder, the chief strategist of Path Trading Partners. Happy Wednesday. Kind of a mixed uh, result here. Certainly, though, housing remains a focal point for investors, for traders. We want to see some strength there continuing. It's been the pillar of strength in many ways throughout the pandemic, Bob. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head, Ben, and good morning, by the way. The, the building permits is a little bit of a future indicator, but it's not really reliable from the perspective that permits mean they can build a house. It doesn't mean that they will. They have an expiration date uh, depending on what region, so it's not worth speculating on how long of an indicator it is. Starts is what they've actually started. I mean, it's a very simple number, right? How many houses have been started when a home is started? Other than drastic weather, uh, used to be 20, 30 years ago that snow would stop them, doesn't stop them any longer. So those starts are going into inventory and the fact that those starts are a little bit lower, I think fit in with some of the slowing down we're seeing with a little bit higher rates. I don't think it's any sort of death knell for the housing market at this stage, but we all know that the rise we've seen in housing prices uh, at the rate we've seen it rise is unsustainable. And this could be a little bit of a canary in the coal mine. I don't put too much into it. If building permits fall and housing starts fall the next couple of months, yes, the permits are there to be turned into starts. Doesn't mean that they will. Noted, Bob, and a great breakdown there in terms of uh, a description of this number here and uh, what to watch for in terms of the uh, ripple effect that it has or the indication it has as far as economic conditions. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other uh, focal points for traders and investors this week. We're kind of watching the dust settle from the Fed, central bank activity, jobs, inflation, but we've got a handful of Fed speakers. Uh, we recently heard uh, again from a couple. Uh, what are you listening for in terms of some of these specifics here as we uh, really kind of determine, try and balance here where we stand as far as the taper and then ultimately the next step, a rate hike? Well, I'm looking for any deviation from the script, which I actually think we saw in a very big way from James Bullard yesterday. Uh, St. Louis Fed President Bullard was more hawkish than I'm used to him being. He's somebody that has uh, been a little bit usually classified on the dovish side, and he was talking about the potential for movement or more aggressive tapering. I don't have the quotes in front of me, so I don't want to misspeak, but I remember getting the impression that he was a little bit more hawkish than I'm used to him being. Now, as you mentioned, tons of Fed speakers yesterday, tons of Fed speakers today. Yesterday, other than James Bullard, pretty much on script. I didn't see anything, but we've got a few today as well. So I'm looking for anything that deviates from the script. It's interesting because you look at the yield curve. You and I have talked about that quite a bit lately. And the yield curve is just dramatically uh, flatter than it's been despite the steepening that we got yesterday. You go all the way back to, let's look at the fives, tens, or the fives, thirties. Uh, June 30th, 119 on the fives, thirties, 77 basis points right now. Uh, fives, tens, 58, 37 right now. And we've got the two-year note at the high for the year at about 50, between 52 and 53 basis points. 54 settlement yesterday was a high settlement for the year. So we're clearly seeing that change. People, I don't think, realize how dramatic of a change it was. Again, just going back to June 30th, 25 basis points on the two-year, about 52 and a half right now. So more than double. You compare that to the 30-year, 206 on the 30th, 204 today. Not only is it not higher, but it's barely moved, and it's moved to the downside. That is a dramatic flattening. What is that flattening telling us, Bob, in terms of uh, expectations for the Fed and where investors are kind of uh, placing their bets? Well, it's telling us one solid thing, that the market, at least, and the market could be wrong, 
believes that inflation is not a long-term phenomenon. Mm -hmm. It either believes in a slowdown economically or a mm -hmm. more active Fed. You take it to the front of the curve and it's telling you there's a more active Fed. Um, I haven't looked at Fed funds probabilities in quite a while. It's probably start time to start looking at those again. And the CME group has some tools with some predictive importance that you can look at. Um, but looking at it from that perspective, it's time to start, I think, looking at Fed fund probabilities for change, not just tapering. Because uh, I don't think the market, the equity market specifically, has priced that in. Although if you look at just the daily S&P chart, you're starting to see a developing, not a formed, so it's not predictive, but a develop, developing potential double top that's very, very large. Um, it would have a very long measured target to the downside. Long way before that's triggered, it hasn't even properly formed yet, but it's starting to show itself. Bob, we were just looking at the five-year a second ago and how it's, uh, well, into new 52-week highs as we speak. You've got the 10-year on the right, the 30-year on the left. They're holding inside this range right now, so kind of supportive of uh, the conditions that we've been seeing, the environment, uh, continuation more likely than change, as we like to call it. Let's talk about the U.S. dollar and uh, some of the foreign currencies that have been focal points for many. A minute ago, we were talking about some of the weakness in the yen, strength in the U.S. dollar, the pound after a 10-year high CPI number. I mean, basically, uh, it's interesting to watch different currencies around the world as central banks kind of uh, manage or move their chess pieces around and try and navigate this current environment. Uh, I'm hearing, again, basically the number overnight has suggested that we could see a rate hike or uh, pushing in the direction for the U.K. to move uh, as early as December now. Yeah, the U.K. positioning is interesting because there were a lot of people that were surprised by no activity in the last Bank of England meeting, quite surprised, myself included. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily think they would hike rates, but I thought they would adjust their quantitative easing. They didn't do either. And now they're staring in the face of 10-year inflation highs, as you just mentioned. I, I do a lot of communicating with Michael Zaremski, actually. You had him on before him. He's a very, very smart guy. And I think his comments about the dollar uh, being affected more by what's going on with the other currencies is, is spot on. You're seeing the British pound rally, but the rest seen behind the curve. And that British pound rally didn't sustain very well. When you look at the flattening of the yield curve that we just talked about a second ago, that essentially means to me that the dollar becomes a flight to safety, mm -hmm. not necessarily a, a rate play. You're seeing that sort of relay in the yen as well. And you're seeing gold and silver again today. We talked about this before. If the long end doesn't move, gold and silver is a good play. Uh, Bitcoin struggling with some other stuff. And I know you want to talk about that, but struggling with some other things going on. But we're likely to see a Bitcoin rebound off of that as well if this trend were to continue. Gold, real quick, chart, uh, the 50-day moving average, how we're holding up above it here. You can see the rally. We talked about that with Michael as well, how the dollar strong, uh, Bob, but gold has been. Well, here's silver also working its way above the 50-day moving average, this blue line up and through the $25 level recently. Bob, um, in terms of uh, a couple focal points here, I just want to point out CPI out of Canada just came in, for the most part, in line with expectations year-over-year at 4.7, month-over-month 0.7, so no real scare from our neighbors to the north there along the lines of what we saw here in the U.S. and across the big pond most recently. But moving forward here, Bob, I've kind of lost sight in terms of some of the economic data that's due out. We mentioned the Fed speakers, but kind of a light uh, week in terms of market-moving numbers. It seems like the focus is on retailers, the earnings, the retail sales number from earlier this week. But what are you watching in terms of uh, what could continue this move in the dollar, derail it, or potentially uh, the same here in terms of the indices, that trend we've been seeing? What do you, what do you have your eye on in terms of... Uh, potential market moves in the next week or so? 
So it's interesting, we brought up the precious metals. That's really one of the things I'm looking at. People talk about the inverse relationship between the dollar and precious metals. Uh, Phil Stribel, I saw his interview with you as well. Um, that was very good, a very good call by him. I think what we're looking at with precious metals, uh, that should be in focus because we've got a seasonal tailwind behind gold and silver. But not only that, the talk about the inverse relationship with, with the dollar and the gold, uh, with dollar and precious metals, is based upon inflation expectation and interest rates. And inflation ex expectations are high right now and they're not falling and interest rates are not rising. So that means the dollar can go up in a flight to safety and so can gold and silver. So I'm watching that relationship very, very closely. If you see that breakdown, something has changed in the narrative. Right now that narrative is high inflation, the Fed's not acting, the Bank of England's not acting, so inflation will be here in the medium term. You buy gold along with the seasonal tailwind. Silver's a part of that as well. Big time, Bob. Appreciate you joining us here this morning. We'll continue to watch metals and the dollar, the relationship they share, and how they are both a reflection of some of the uh, thoughts you brought to the table this morning. Bob